0: you're listening to inside you e with michael rosenbaum ryan's with me ryan how are you my
1: new engineer i'm good michael yeah thanks for thanks for having me
0: yeah and by the way you know uh you know rob i think a lot of people knew rob he was uh my engineer for quite some time but uh you know rob got really busy and he's he's doing great and we're good friends and you know he helps me out when i need him and uh he wasn't fired <laughs> Um, you know, he's, uh, he's been working on my good buddy Dax's show and that kind of get, you know, Dax is, it's a very busy show. They travel, they you know, do all these things and we're on good terms. I love him. I wish him the best. I wish Dax the best. Uh, Dax is one of my best friends and, uh, everything's great, but I have Ryan here. So say hello, Ryan. Hello. There you go, folks. A man of many words. Ryan, I just thought you were a great guy and we were having art night at my house. Cause you know, from my therapy, I like I do this art night.
1: Yeah. It's been fun.
0: Right? Yeah and and you you guys come you and Amanda and uh we have a really nice time and then I started thinking and you were talking and I was like well I could use an engineer cuz Mia does in love and I didn't want to have the same engineer for both shows mm-hmm. and you just have a good you know disposition if you will I don't know oh thanks man yeah you seem you're a humble guy right yeah. so anyway I'm grateful you're here And uh, today we've got a great show. I want to say thank you again for listening to the podcast, folks. I know you're driving to work or whatever you're doing. Uh, It means a lot. You know that. Please subscribe or tell people to subscribe. We're growing. We need you. The new podcast is called In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. You know him from This Is Us. He was just nominated for an Emmy. He's amazing. And the show is a lot of fun, too. We've got a lot of great guests. So please subscribe and write a review for that. It really helps us. We're just getting started with that one. My guest today. We're about to get inside of Corey Feldman. Uh, You probably think you know everything about him, but you don't. What did you find most interesting? Oh, with Corey? Yeah.
1: Without giving too much away, (laughs) Um, he is. uh, Well, he's he's very passionate about what he's doing, Um, and he's in. I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of things about him. You know, I'd I'd seen the movies. Um, I of course, you know, I'd heard about the reality show, so I had you know some assumptions coming in. I never thought I'd be sitting on a couch next to Corey Feldman, so this was just a lot of good information for me. Yeah, because you know, you're know you younger than me. What are you, 30s? 31. 31. So you missed that
0: whole thing of the 80s where you know I obviously still am living it mm-hmm. with my music and everything else. But what I liked about today's uh, interview is we talked about things, some crazy shit that happened when he was young, crazy shit that happened on sets, uh, working with Spielberg, working with Richard Donner, working with Schumacher talked about Corey Ham. We just touched a lot of, of different things. And we get pretty deep. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that Corey came on and he was so open. His wife, Courtney, was lovely. She was here. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. Let's get inside Corey Feldman. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. What are you drinking? Watermelon juice. And what's that good for, my Hard brother? Hardcore shit. It's good for your shitting? Well, it is, actually. It yes, is? Yes, yes. It does definitely help yeah. give you lots of uh, fiber. Yeah. Watermelon juice? Yeah. Isn't there too much, can't you? Like, you know, when you're a kid, you just want to eat watermelon and you get a stomachache? That looks like a large glass of stomach. You ache. know what? Let me tell you something. Rumors and myths, my friend...
2: Rumors and myths. Really, you can never fine. have. You can. Oh yeah. You can never have too much good stuff.
0: How much? How many glasses? You can have of a lot of bad stuff, and that can hurt you.
2: But you can never have too much good stuff. That's true. So watermelon is a fairly harmless fruit. Aside from, you know, it might give you a little gas, or it may give you a Ooh, little, you know, good. little extra, <laughs> really a little extra loosening of the uh, stools. Are you but, a gassy uh, person? No. 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 I am. So that's why I can do it because it yeah. doesn't really you know have a toll on me but that said uh we are all about juicing and my wife is a uh whole foods raw nutritionist really yeah courtney who's here with you she's a health coach this is what she does for a living she actually teaches people how to live on whole
0: foods plant-based diets yeah listen i'm i'm agreeing with you because i finally got a nutritionist after two years ryan does not have a nutritionist correct ryan Uh, No, correct. Not a chance. Not a chance. But uh, I just felt like shit all the time. I was bloated. I was farting people out of the room. They weren't smelly. I'm not a smelly farter. In fact, I went to a colonoscopist. Is that what you call them? Uh, yeah, a colonoscopy, yes. p Well, a col- <laughs> I, I would think that it would be
2: more of an anal doctor. How about we call uh, it? a mass doctor? Gas- okay, gastron- yeah, that's that's pretty much gastro- gastro- it. There you go.
3: Yeah. See, yeah, good, Thank well God done. for you. Well, well done. You don't need any of that. All you really need to do is drink 16 ounces of celery juice on an empty stomach every day, and that will help help yes this,
0: Major is, already yes. this is already worth it This podcast is already let me tell you something <laughs>
2: telling you something this is the miracle cure of the day juice. celery juice celery juice I've heard a lot about right? that yeah it's everybody's doing it in LA in fact it's hard to get celery because it's out of sale it's out of stock everywhere it's like literally you go and you buy bunches of it and so like they keep like raising the price and raising the price because the demand is so high. And the reason why the demand is so high is because everybody is doing this
0: right now. Let me, let me tell you something. A lot of people, my listeners. So this is, you know, it's called inside. So you ask, you know, where does this reach? This is a very loyal following. You know, I can tell you after how many listeners, but it's a lot of listeners, at, very least, at least two or three. Well, you know what? Oh my gosh, at least a handful, but okay, you cool. know, they're so loyal. And it really, this, this podcast, I've no, I noticed it really helps people's lives. Like I get emails that are, Just these heartfelt, like, this, you know, hearing someone open up about, you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt or Kristen Bell or talking about their life and talking about, like, real shit. And Mm -hmm. so that's sort of what the podcast is. You know, Sean Astin got you to do it. We were at a con. I was like, you know, I'd love you to do it. And you were like, you know. Sean says I should do it because you like Sean and you trust him and you've known him a long time.
2: Yeah. Well, Sean's like one of my closest friends yeah. ever. And we were brothers till the end, you know. So when he says, oh, yeah, Michael's a good guy. You got to do his show, man. He's, oh, no, he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> he said no, that. Yeah, is what he said. And he goes, he goes. And he says he's got a huge following. By the way, he said, let me tell you, man, I did a show and for like literally like months, months afterwards, people would come up to me and say, oh, man, I heard you on Michael's show. Da, 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 he da, da, talked da. about
0: his mother's mental health, her like yeah. bipolar and like manic and just was so open and honest and. You know, I'm getting to that, but that's sort of that's what the show's about. But the the you know the Hollywood thing. My listeners who are listening right now are going, "Oh, here he goes with the Hollywood like juicing and like." Because I talk about shit. I didn't do any of this until two months. This Hollywood.
2: Ago. This is called but, living well. I know, but, you know you're you right. You
0: don't have to be in Hollywood to do that's, it. That's that's exactly right. And I'm telling you, proofs in the pudding. And I was someone who was against it. I didn't want to do it. And then I started eating healthy, taking things out of my diet. I don't even touch dairy. No bloating anymore. Yeah, Amazing, right? That. Amazing. Well, I do a little
2: bit of dairy. I'm like a 80% uh, Lavo, Octo, vegetarian, vegan.
3: Lacto-Ovo, so he does do milk and
0: eggs as well. But the uh, thing is, I've
2: been a vegetarian since I
0: was 12 years old. You really haven't touched meat since you're 12, 12 years, years old. That's that true? Yeah. What was the last thing you ate? A Chicken McNugget. Well, that was a good thing to go. Like, you're like, I'm
2: out now. <laughs> I, I cheated. That. I cheated on a chicken McNugget. Did you throw it? So up? that's why I remember it. Uh, no, but I just remember really feeling disgusting afterwards. Like Physically? It really, yeah. It was just like, oh, why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. That's so gross. And then that was it. And that was when I was 13.
0: Now, what's amazing is you've, be, you know, you think, because you've had like, uh, this is another thing. Today, I was thinking about how do we, how do I sort of, navigate the waters here um, on Corey feldman there's no waters to navigate here's
2: the here, here, it's it, the it, floodgates once they open then they just open but
0: I, you know what though <laughs> I, I was like you know what i don't think because look you've been in the media you've written a book I have. you have a band you've you been sure? in tons of movies You don't been, know about any of this, you've been or, talking about you, you, you who, you've been praised <laughs> you've been slammed you've yeah. been thrown around and you still stick it out. And I was like going, well, everybody's talking about this and this. And I go, you know, I just, what I want to do is I want to talk to you Mm -hmm. sort of just about your life. And like, you know, having such a, I mean, you talked about a lot of this stuff, but there are moments in your life that I think make you, you know, they're, they're significant things that happen to us bad or good that change the, the course of your life.
2: The things that I'm doing right now are the things that are going to identify who i become and my place in history forever for, for perpetuity because what i'm doing now is significant and what i'm doing now is is the most important work that i've ever done because it's fighting for children's rights and it's fighting for truth and justice to prevail on this earth something lex luthor should know a lot about <laughs> how dare you how dare you <laughs> but truthfully I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's nobody out there doing it. Nobody out there did it. So when I jumped in this game and I made this decision that I was going to really not just come forward with the truth, but help change the laws so that we can put these dudes away. That's a big part of it. But the other part of it is the awareness and making people own this. Well, people that, need to own this. I think that's
0: important. What Do you, you understand? Said, because especially like on this podcast, we talk about mental illness. We talk about anxiety, depression, all these well, things. There's nothing
2: more mentally deranged than wanting to
0: hurt a child. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse at all. So I think that's what people really... They, they want to hear people being honest, opening up. And so as a child... You look at your career, and I'm like, oh my god, I've seen him in that. I'm like, God, I love that. I love that. I love Stand By Me. I love Talking Goonies. I love Lost Boys. I love it. Friday the Thirteenth chapter, chapter four. But I'm, see, none of that means anything. I, to I you. know you're going to say that, but let me say something. <laughs> okay, it good. does. It does mean a lot to your fans and people who grew up. And I with love that. my fans, of and I respect you do.
2: that. But that doesn't mean that I sit there on some high horse and go, oh yeah, yeah, I did this and that. Like, screw that. Like, of course. To but me. that's like stepping stones. It's all stepping stones. But the real work is what I'm doing today. And and even as far as my acting, the real work is what I'm doing today. Because as a kid, yes, I did a fine job doing what I had to do. But I was a trained monkey. I was a child slave. So I was doing what I was literally trained to do my whole life. Talk about I that. don't know anything From the beginning, else. like
0: when you say you don't know anything else... Was it hard? (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know anything else. Like Uh, my first memory. Have you read his book? Yeah. I I did not read. I will read it. You should read it. Yeah, Choreography. Yes. Yes.
2: The, 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 The point is, is that I have no memory before going to work. The first memory I have in my life is going to my first commercial. And everything beyond that is based on my career. My career was the signature of time. So like, you know, most people go, oh, what girl were you dating in this, you know, grade? Or what, what, who was your best friend during this year? Or what team were you playing on? Or, you know, these different markers that people have in their lives of like, this is where I was or this is who I was. Don't have that. All I have is what movie was I working on? What TV show was I working on? What thing was I doing in the public eye?
0: You don't remember at all? your parents you know some nice I remember th- them some nice things that happened no or, nice things no no nice things no You nice never things. experienced like going to disney world as a child um, yeah
2: well i did because my sister was a musketeer so yes i went to disneyland all the time as a child but we were were they kind work. to you your parents no they were terrible people
0: so it was just about get them a job how, how did do they know you were uh, you were good enough or that you were well
2: my sister my sister was doing it first so she was already a star and did she feel the same shit that you felt? Yeah, but it was different. There wasn't as much pressure, you know. She wasn't um, living up to anything. Like for me, I had to beat my sister. That was the game, right? Like I had to. It was be a competition, her, of
0: course, and it wasn't a friendly competition. No,
2: it was my parents put us, you know, pitted us against each other, you know. So how we, do they do that? Well, because they say, you know, well, she's going to get, you know, she won't get beaten today, and she's going to get an extra toy because she did well
0: and she got her audition. When you say beaten, you, since you were like a little kid, that shit was going on?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was locked in a room. Okay, first of all, people don't realize, they ask me how I became a singer. And I tell people, the truth of the matter is, I was singing before I was acting. Because when you're three years old, you can't memorize lines. You know, you're not reading a script, because you can't read yet. So how do you get a three-year-old to convince people that they're the ones for the role? So my mom was smart enough to say, well, he likes music, his dad's a musician, so we're going to lock him in a room, we're going to make him learn these songs, and then he's going to go in on auditions and he's going to sing for them. And his cuteness is what's going to win them over. So it didn't really matter if I could remember a line or not, because I could do this song and I could sound cute doing it, right? So that's all that mattered. So she would have me memorize these songs and i would go in and that would be my audition process and i would win the jobs by singing so that's actually how i started my career jesus yeah
0: so everything is just it's just work
2: put on a happy face
0: you were just going, was one of the do you songs feel like you were going through the motions do you even know like at the time i can't even what what excited you did you feel like there was I mean, besides being on a movie set, was there anything else? Was there, was there like a good teacher or a good, yeah, some good people yeah. that kind of helped you along the way yeah, that said, course. Hey, you are loved. You are,
2: well, I don't know about love necessarily. Love was a very empty, a very empty slot in my world until, I mean, I had great grandparents. So let me give you that. Like, were had, they older or they, yeah, were they, were they great? No, no, no. Were no. They, they great, were, great, no, great? They, no, they were wonderful <laughs> grandparents. I, I, I did too. Yeah. Fantastic. They were the best. I mean, my grandfather was a psycho and he abused his children, which is why my mom was abusive. It's, you know, it's handed down generation, generation, but he loved his his family more than anything. So he had the traditions and he had the the morality, but he was just raised in an, you know, an era where that's what you did. You went crazy on your kids and you beat the hell out of them. And that's all he knew. So he was, you know, he raised his children that way. And then he raised his grandchildren that way. And everything was through fear and intimidation. Where my grandmother, God bless her soul, was the sweetest woman ever. She was just the sweetest, kindest. She was always there for me. Did she know
0: what was going on? Yes.
2: Yes. Did she... She was there. She was on the set with me. Like she would – they would take me from my mother because my mother was very irrational and, you know, psychotic. I mean she she wasn't rational. So if I was going to get to set on time or if I was going to get to work every day, you know, there had to be somebody responsible behind the ship. You know, so they would take over and I would go stay with my grandparents for months at a time or sometimes years at a time. And they would be the ones taking me to the set every day and they'd be taking me to my auditions every day and they'd be doing all that stuff. Not because they wanted to, not because they necessarily agreed with it, but because they knew that was the only way to keep her happy. Because if she didn't see that happening, then she would take me back and then I would be having to, you know, be forced to live there. And by, by the way, there were little brothers and sisters running around. So I was also the dad. And I was the caretaker because my dad left at eight. My dad left at eight. So like I was literally raising two babies, feeding them, diapering them, doing all that stuff at eight years old. Yeah,
0: this is why, because I just went through stuff where I just, you know, I talk about it openly. I went to a wellness center and was like, I'm going to take fucking care of myself. And it was the first time I ever felt safe. But you hear all these things. And we did this thing called EMDR, which I talked about, which is like, you know, it's post-traumatic. Stress disorder, like okay. when people suffer from that, there's this thing that they can do that helps. And I was like, ah, you know, veterans see horrible shit. I, right. I'm not worthy of, of even looking into my life because people that's, have had it that, so, that's I know, BS, though. That's BS. I know it's BS, but I had to learn that your problems are your problems and they're real and you right. cannot neglect them because it will affect you physiologically Mentally, it's just debilitating. And so, right. it was the first time, dude. I, I was, I cried for like three weeks, and I never cry. Mm. I'm always like the leader of my gang. I was right. like, "Hey, I'm right. organizing this. Tough hey, guy, I'm the tough, tough guy." guy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm falling apart. And it's like, and I just wanted to keep crying. I wanted to feel more and more because I felt like a human being. Yeah, because you were opening it up finally. Yeah. yeah, and, and it took... Dude, I'm 47 years old. It's so When healthy. did it happen for you? It's when so did, After all this shit... By the way, did your grandmother... Did she ever step in? Did anybody ever step in and say, you're not doing this anymore? No. No one ever just jumped in and said, I see what's happening, and it's over. No. God, no. Mm-mm. Did you want them? Obviously, you wanted them to. All I wanted was love. All I wanted was to be loved. So it was enough for your would grandmother.
2: Go, I would go to my... My grandmother was sweet, but she wasn't my mom... And she wasn't my dad. She was a surrogate. So I would go over to my cousins. My cousin and I were best friends. We were the same age. And he had a great family until his mom died of cancer at 11. So when I would go over there before 11, I would lay there in bed and I would watch him getting tucked in. And I would just lay there crying because I was just like, I want that so bad. I want that feeling of, you know, that connection. And I just it was not available to me ever. Like my just it never happened. My mom never said she loved me. The only time she ever said she loved me was after she finished beating me, you know, like let me know that it was over and that, you know, it was okay. Then you know, like she would beat me up and then she would be like, you know, I love you though. <laughs> you know, and that really I mean, worked kind that of way. fuck you up. Right. Right. So you could imagine I could be severely damaged goods
0: yeah, i, I is... don't know how you honestly how you could even get past that like i i don't know like you hear about these stories but you don't people don't know especially like in the 80s and 90s and all of a sudden he's done drugs and he's doing this right. and he's he's all you hear well, is like oh my goes... god that guy fell apart but if they knew the shit that you went well, through
2: yeah but here's the other thing why does every child star end up derailed you don't think there's some kind of a coincidence here think about it real deep How many child stars go on to have illustrious careers and be given carte blanche as adults, no matter how talented they are, no matter how much they achieve, every single one gets shut down unless they've been protected by someone. So you've got very few examples. Drew Barrymore, well, she was protected by Spielberg. He kept her under his wing like a dad. Wow. Because she needed it because she didn't have a dad in the world. So he became that surrogate father for her. And guess what? Nobody was going to mess with Drew because it was Steven's little girl. So there's people that get protected. And once they're protected, people don't touch him. Hands off. And those are the lucky ones. Those are the lucky ones. But everybody else... Falls by the wayside. It's not just falls by the wayside. It's intentional. This is an intentional thing that has been going on for almost a century in this business okay like we can go back to tatum o'neill we can go back
0: even further we can go to uh uh shirley temple so are you saying pretty much don't let anybody act at a young age until they're i an wouldn't adult? i wouldn't let my like, kids So it. parents nobody acts until they're 18.
2: well look at that i mean there's gotta be there's, there's, there's gotta be some there's, good there's, people there, there. There's there's art right and art has to imitate life so at some point you need child actors to portray those functions, Right. okay? But that said, we don't need to put them on pedestals and we don't need to make them so famous that there's no taking it back because that's the sin. The sin is making a child so famous that they don't have a, a choice in life, that they can never go and live a normal life. They don't have that option because they'll be humiliated. The second a movie star goes and tries to work at a regular job. What do you think happens to that person? Besides the shame and the humility that you feel as a loser, I'm actually trying
0: to think of other, other haven't
2: succeeded. Yeah. But on top of it, you've got people in there razzing you and going like, Oh my God, what a loser. What are you doing here? You know what I mean? So you have to put that into perspective.
0: It's it's impossible. It sounds impossible. If the
2: work dries up, you're done. That's it. The fact that I'm still here, the fact that I'm still working, the fact that I still have a good financial, you know, life and, and resources and, and I'm active and, and do movies every year and all this kind of stuff. That, I mean, it's, it,
0: it's one in a million. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just, bottle it up. And you don't know what to do. It's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, Better help has helped me substantially. Ryan here have been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss
1: a session. Of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times, we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively.
1: Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down.
0: Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, "Oh, what if I don't like my therapist?" If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan.
1: I I found one. You And you did it. You told <laughs> I me I got found- Rocket Money. <laughs> Like I, I found one, it, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever, mm-hmm. and you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget. After this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're terrible. charging you ten bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, seventy five percent of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about.
1: All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop
0: wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. You know you know what? I, what I notice about you, when I watch the band, when I see... You get on TV when I see you know you wrote a book. There's there's almost like no fear mm. inside you in a way. In a way, I'm sure you have fears, mm-hmm. but I I think, gosh, man, I the guy just whether you like him, whether you don't, whether you like what he says, whether you don't, you say what you want to say. Well, the problem is people don't really know what I'm saying
2: because my voice has been so filtered and edited and changed. Sure, because I watched years. the Matt
1: Lauer,
0: which was completely ironic after what happened with Matt Lauer. Right, exactly. Um, but I exactly. watch it. It's funny you should but, say that. but that's the way it happens. Barbara Walters, Matt Lauer. Because they let you speak, but then they start saying, well, why do you need $10 million, right? I've seen the, right. a ton right. of people. Why right. do you need $10 right. million? Right, You want to make a film? How, how do you make it? Well, you can make an independent movie. And you're like, well, that no one sees?
2: Right. I want people to see this. Or, like, oh, or how, how about record? I want to make it crappy, and I want it to have no sets and no costumes and no great actors. And yeah, sure, you can make it for a million dollars, but is it going to be any good? Not to tell the movie that I'm trying to tell. I mean, you're talking about rebuilding Goonie sets. You're talking about rebuilding Michael Jackson's house. You're talking about you know what I mean. These are
0: massive production days. Right. Massive production days.
2: That's you can't fine. do that movie right. If you had a movie that was right
0: money behind it, period. Right, and your and the movie that's in your head. What would that movie be like? For instance, well, you have to if read if I, the book. If, I, I'm I'm just saying. Yeah, it's the book right but what would you compare it to that a movie that's been made not not comparable to whatever but like if you think of a movie
2: okay my mom used to make us watch mommy dearest oh yeah and she thought it was really funny
0: jesus christ yeah
2: so she would sit there and she would say you know she would make me and my sister call her mommy dearest because she thought it was funny and she would tell us how easy they had it she'd be like look at this this is a joke people think this is abuse this is a joke because she knew that what she was doing to us was so much worse. So much worse.
0: How you didn't turn out to be like the Mendendez brothers and your <laughs> sister get together and kill your mother. I I, I don't know how you didn't do that. Well, because I remember there was, yeah, go because ahead. Because
2: I have love in my heart. So the point is, it's all about forgiveness. It's all about empathy. And it's all about love. And unfortunately... I'm one of those guys that just wears my heart on my sleeve. And I just, I give people chance after chance after chance to try and save them. Like who? Whatever it takes to save them. Anybody, from my parents to my girlfriends to, you know, people that screwed me over. I was cheated on 18 times in a row. 18 different relationships. Imagine that. So you're finally away from your abuse and you're trying to move on with your life and find real love. And then every girl you fall in love with cheats on you and breaks your heart.
0: So I went through that too. I mean, how do you have, I mean, trust issues. Do you, you go to therapy? I go to therapy. <sighs> well, I did for many years, yeah. Have you ever tried cognitive behavioral therapy or have no, you worked on?
2: I don't need it now. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm, I'm a very happy person and I have a very happy life and I have a beautiful family. So I don't have anything, I have no regrets. Um, but that said, it was hell. I made it through hell. And I'm on the other side of it. So there's nothing anybody can do to me anymore. There's nothing anybody can say about me. There's nothing anybody can do to me that's gonna make me feel less than I already do or I already have. So once you get <laughs> to that it, Corey. once you get to that point, it's all about love and it's all about forgiveness and it's all about self-healing. because if you don't look inward, and you don't heal yourself from the inside out, you're never gonna make it. There's no way.
0: What do you tell what do you tell fans like when you're at these cons and uh, you're at a QA and they say, Tell us about the time on Goonies. Do you um, remember fun times? sure do you remember oh my god and then this happened and sean did this when sean and
2: key and i are up there and we're telling our old stories and stuff it's great what's the best
0: what's the story that you haven't told are there any stories that you haven't told on goonies you've told them all of course come on i mean it really you really have told them all. of course by the way did you ever see steven spielberg flip out no anyone ever asked you that never never once never raised his voice never once how do you not flip out one time he's i mean he's you know a genius
2: obviously yeah but, but geniuses flip but out because when you got you know 50 million dollars to play with and you know the, you make the schedule and nobody's gonna shut you down because
0: you're steven spielberg right so you go over budget you go over schedule nobody cares, right it's just carte blanche but didn't you want to hear Don't so you wish you had the memory of hearing junk
2: cut it out oh i'm sure i heard that plenty (laughs) there was plenty of that but that was coming from richard donner not from steven donner was doing the donner was the yeller yeah was
0: donner a yeller oh yeah Yeah. yeah. what's the what's the biggest yell you remember of his the biggest meltdown donner did
2: um he didn't really (laughs) melt down he just was always in command always authoritative did he ever yell at you of course <laughs> did it make you upset there was one time he made me cry hmm what what happened uh he was just being really really intense one day and he was just screaming at us and I think it was I think it was on the Goonies, on the on the pirate scene when we're up on the deck something to do with you know maybe when I was putting the jewels in my mouth or somewhere somewhere around there and it was just a really intense day and I remember him just flipping out and just like screaming and i was so sensitive and i had a great love and respect for him so it would be like whoa where is this coming from you know why are you why are you taking this did out did you say me? that well probably not i was 12 but you know in in a 12 year old's version of it and he you know he had to he had to own it he had to sit down and say you know i'm sorry kid i didn't mean it you know
0: and you cried right in front of him yeah in front of everybody
2: Well, I think we had a private talk. I think it was just him and I. And the same thing happened with Rob Reiner. Same thing happened with Joel Schumacher. Same thing happened with most directors because they get insane and they get crazy and there's a bunch of kids running around. They want to choke them. But at the end of the day, they can't because they're doing a job and we're all doing a job, right? And I think that that's, that's real love somehow. You know, that passion for you both share this passion for the art and you
0: want it to be amazing. Were you incorrigible? no were you were you sort of because i i was there was shit i did as a kid that i, I mean i probably you know i got paddled as a kid and i got right. there was a lot of shit man well here's I, the thing i was fucked up but here's the thing i mean obviously if you're
2: coming from a place of like no love and you're getting abused all the time and you're a slave and all of these things and you have no freedoms of course you're going to have some sort of outward you know expulsion it's just natural it's a natural recourse it has to happen right it's like a, a simmering point you know of a brew you just you know it's got to let off the steam so yes i was wild and crazy and would you know talk in class and get in trouble all the time all that stuff all the all the you know telltale signs of all an right. abused child that's trying to reach out for help did you have ADD
0: no You really didn't? No. No ADD, no ADHD? No. I got a little of that. No. I'm a focused dude. I am a very focused dude. Even from being a kid. Like I guess they didn't maybe they didn't have that then.
2: They had it. I remember hearing about kids that were on Ritalin. My mom used to make me take speed pills. Same kind of thing.
0: Okay, that's that is the same.
2: Yeah, because I was a you know, chubby kid, right?
0: I don't remember you being fat or i or was chunky. never i was never fat Overweight? i was never that i just don't remember I, that but
2: but i had like a baby fat right and so she would say like oh you're gonna be oh fat Jesus. you're fat so you're a pig you're this you're that and i would have to
0: did know. the director ever like in front of you say this kid is really fucking talented in his own way right in front of your mom did your mom ever look at you and go I'm proud of you. You were great. <laughs> no, not one not time. Once. No. That's I know. Isn't that fucking something? When you just can't, you can get all the abuse in the world. You can get told you're stupid or you're bad or this. But not one time in all those movies where you were great. You weren't good. You were great. I yeah. thought. Yeah. Did you know it? Did you know you were good? No. You never felt like I'm good. Mm-mm. Well, then how did you go on set? Were you nervous on set no. doing lines? No, I knew. I, I knew I was good. Meaning, like, I knew
2: that this is just who I am. There's no. You don't think about it. It's second nature. It's like breathing. It's like putting on your pants. You just do your
0: job. You never got nervous. Was there one never. scene ever in your career that you go, "No, I can't do this right now. The camera's moving in. I got 35 mils never. coming right at me. It's never. so close to my face and action. Never. 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 Even now? No. You you got it. Yeah. That's what I do. I mean, that's amazing. What I'm hearing is. I've done over a hundred films, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, know but to never saying? get like, nervous. To always have. I get nervous all the time. I'd have speeches I mean, and I'd be like, fuck, would you guys I mean, have to get that close. You know,
2: when I get nervous, I get nervous the first time I go on stage for a live audience for to perform my music. That makes me nervous. Or if it's like a sitcom type situation and we're doing it live in front of an audience, then I might get nervous like, oh, God, I don't want to miss a line or, you know, mess up or be the one to ruin the scene or whatever. You know, that that kind of thing. And I remember Robin Williams telling me, you know, about the butterflies in my stomach. Because he would say, you get the butterflies? As we were standing, you know, backstage before going out together. And he'd say, do you get the butterflies? And I said, uh, what does butterflies mean? And he goes, well, it means like you feel all weird in your stomach, you know, and you feel like uh, like really nervous or like, you know, like you're, you're worried about what they're going to think of you. And I said, yeah, I guess they feel that way. Do you feel that way? And he goes, I feel that way every time I go out. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay. Well, then I guess I could feel that way, too, and that's okay. So I allowed myself to feel that, like, anxiety. Oh, God, so Robin ruined you? (laughs) Why (laughs) the fuck would he tell you that? No, but he he let me know that it was okay to feel. Anything. Right, exactly. And so I said, okay, well, then, then I'll feel that, you know. And then I remember getting nervous with him and sitting there, you know, before we'd go out and getting all hyped up and, you know, like, okay, let's do it. Let's do
0: it, you know. Yeah. And that was fun. This, it's, it's crazy because you don't talk about yourself in a sense that all the abuse, all the horror, I don't hear you breaking down and crying about that. Except you said, you know, sometimes you'd watch your friend while he slept and he was tucked into his bed. and Oh, when I was a kid. When yeah. you were a kid. Yeah, yeah But now as an adult, you're yeah. very mindful and present about everything around you.
2: Right. Yeah, because look, at what I've been through, I don't wish it on anybody, but I don't regret anything, even all the pain even all the trauma, because it's helped mold me into the person that I am today. And I'm pretty proud of the person I am today because I'm doing important work. I just want to be able to fulfill that work. I want to be able to help as many people as possible. There's no ego in it for me. I don't care about that stuff. I really don't. I really don't. And that's why I say all the stuff I did as a kid was great, but it was a job. When I work now, when I do work as an actor... I do it because I want to.
0: I do it because I I have something to bring to the table. You enjoy acting still? I love it. Love it. Love it. You love learning lines. You still go with learning lines? Oh, I don't even... Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, a, I'm a different beast. Do you have a photographic memory? Yes.
2: <laughs> you really do? Yes, yes. So Fuck you. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> well, hey, you start training your brain at three years old... Getting locked in a room and not being able to do anything other than you can't come out until you have every word of this page memorized frontwards and backwards. That was the words I was told. Frontwards and backwards. If you
0: can't say it backwards, then you're not done. How long will it take you to learn three pages of lines? Two minutes. If I gave you something, you could probably learn it. Not that you'd have to do it right. I would give you my version of it. That's how I do it. But like, what if somebody wanted it so, direct? Like, a, If it's word for word direct, then maybe an extra 10 minutes. That's it. Yeah. You don't stress over it. No. You don't freak out over it. No. You own it and you're done. Mm. Yeah. Photographic memory. Do you, That's rare. Well,
2: you know, look here at the end of the day, here's what it does. Anybody can train themselves, to be honest, to do this. It's about before you go to bed at night is when you should read your script. Why is that? Because it's the last thing you have on your mind before you go to bed. So it sits on your subconscious and it plays like a tape over and over and over. Right? So you go to bed with it on your mind. You wake up with it on your mind. First thing in the morning, I'll be... So right before you go to bed, you're getting
0: tired. You sit there for 20, 30 minutes. You read over your lines and you wake up and they're kind of. I don't just
2: read over them. I will go block out the line before me and then I will read just the line before me and make sure I can't see any of the words for the next line. And I'll be like, okay, this is the line before me. I got to know my cues. So I'll read the line before me and then I'll expect myself to read it back verbatim. And if I don't, then I keep going over it and over it and over it until I've got it. But like I said, that process has diminished through the years because now it's just like, you know, so I literally will look at a page three four times and that's it and i come in the next day and i go i need to make a couple changes here or there you know like i want to try this or i want to try that or da 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 and they're like okay and they think i spent you know weeks just studying and you know You're but like, no no i don't like it that way I, I mean to me it's like i become the character i don't play the character i become the character. So. When I'm on a set and I'm playing a serious heavy duty role, like I just did this movie called Corbin Nash, which is my most recent film that's come out where I play a transsexual vampire.
0: You're in drag every day.
2: Yes. 24/7. Like from the moment I get to set and I start putting on the makeup, you don't see Corey. Corey does not come back Do you have an until accent the end at all? of the day. Yeah, whatever it is. I'm just saying whatever it is, I personify that person. So when I'm when I become the character, I don't break the character. And that's not all the time. Like if it's like a regular character, then I'm, you know, right. whatever. We have our conversation and then, you know, okay, action. And, you know, I'll be joking one minute and then go right into the scene. That's fine. But if it's a character that is a huge departure where I have to really make sure that it's real, that it's believable, that this is this is a real person, I can't allow myself the um, opportunity to veer off in some way because all of a sudden, like, you know, you're not thinking like the character thinks and then you're in this makeup, you're in this prosthetic, you're in all this stuff and then you don't think the way the character thinks and it's immediately noticeable, right? Mm -hmm. So to keep it true to form and to keep it virtuous, I just keep that character all day long. Do you ever get moody? Sure, of course. Do you ever say, we "Come do. on, let's
0: go. What are we doing?" Of course, come on. Of course, right? Yeah. You get gotta get moody. We all do. Do We're you say, do You ever say, "Hey, uh, it's ten o'clock. You guys got ten minutes here?"
2: No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not like I mean, that. I've seen things. Yeah, I'm just not that guy. Look at. I'm always happy to stay as long as I need to stay. I'm always happy to. What's the most fun you Now, read? when people are like, you know, hey, wave this, wave that, wave this, wave this you know, th- know. Th- th- business is business. He's so and Donner, I'm on stand a half down.
0: Donner. Donner. Do you, do
2: you go? <laughs> uh, definitely never Schumacher. Okay? You never want to go Sch- Dick Donner. You never want to go
0: Schumacher. Schumacher, gets- Schumacher is louder than Donner. Come on. Oh, yeah. What, what, what is the worst thing you ever heard Schumacher say? Well, I saw him smack an actor in the face. He smacked an actor in the face. Yes. Who? Brooke McCarter. Smacked him in the face. Yeah. And no one said a word. No. Did he do it because he's like, I'm going to get you in the moment? Yep. But he didn't tell him. Right. May I smack you? No, no, no. It was like, give me it. Give me it. Give me it.
2: You're not getting it. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Be scared. Bam. You know, like that. And it worked? No, it didn't work. He was. (laughs)
0: Was he pissed?
2: Beyond pissed. Yeah. It was a bad day
0: did, did anybody age? on set like nowadays that, that you won't, that won't it would have never gone yeah no but this no one was, said a word this was was Joel Schumacher.
2: this was the 80s yeah
0: so you saw all sorts of shit oh yeah talk about women getting harassed it was probably i mean everybody did people just do what they wanted everybody yeah it was crazy just a complete lack
2: of respect Free for all. total lack of respect casting couch no all that stuff drugs everywhere um, you know, I only did drugs for two years of my life, man. That was it. That was it. So again, stigma, 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 you know, right? people have this, you know, they like to say, Oh, Corey Feldman, bad boy. Yeah, you have
0: to, you think Cory Feldman, you're like, Oh, he probably did drugs for his whole life. Right. Party animal. Right. That's what people think. Right.
2: Why do they think that? Because why? they believe
0: everything they hear. No. Why?
2: Why is that condition out there?
0: Because it's just like people want something to say, they want something to talk about.
2: Michael, no. Talk to me. No, it's It's so much deeper than that. It's a very specific thing, okay? They do not want you to grow up and have a voice. They do not want you to be able to have credibility and be taken seriously when you start reflecting on the things that you experienced. Mm. What year did you start acting?
0: Probably college, really. Okay, uh, 90, so you were 91. too old. You were
2: too old. But if you were a kid in this business, I guarantee you these words would have been said to you at some point. Stay away from that guy. He's a creep because we all heard it. Every kid that ever walked onto his set was told that about somebody at some point. Stay away from that guy. He's a creep. He he can't be trusted with children around. And then you would go, uh, okay. But he comes right over to me and starts being friendly and he's on the set and he seems like a really nice guy. So why are they being so weird about him? That's how it happens. But now you've been warned, right? So it's at your own discretion. So everybody looks the other way. This is the way we're trained. So what happens is, and every kid actor and their parents have had some form of this, some form, whether it's stay away from that guy, or whether it's somebody did something to me that was inappropriate, what should I do? And the agent says, Well, this is very serious, and we do need to take care of this right now. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have to file a production report, and then we're gonna have to, you know, call SAG and we're gonna have to call the directors guild, and we're gonna have to call the producer's guild, we're gonna have to file reports with all of them, we're gonna have to file a police report, we're gonna have to do all these things the proper way. But just understand that before we do all that, the second I start making those phone calls, this production is going to get shut down. And your reputation will be known forever as the kid that shut down this movie or this TV series. So good luck getting work again because you're forever going to be scarred as being that kid that ruined this movie or that shut down this job so that all these people lost jobs. Same thing with females. Of course. It's called intimidation. He hit on you? He
0: harassed you? Yeah, well, if you talk about it, you'll never work again.
2: Right. So this is how it happens. This is how it works. And so once they turn 18, it's like, drug problem? Yep, 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 look at that. He's a drug addict. He's a drug addict. See, he's a drug addict. What a waste of life. Don't listen to that kid. He's fucked up. But that's all bullshit. Because the truth of the matter is, why aren't you there reaching out to help this kid? Why aren't you lifting them up? Why aren't you bringing them back? Why aren't you making sure that they're welcomed with open arms? I got sober after two years, and still today, people call me a cokehead. You see what I'm saying? Two years. 30 years, man. 30 years since I've done hard drugs. 30 years since I drank. Did you drink? 30 years since you've drank. Right. You don't drink. That's how fucked up the perception is.
0: That's incredibly fucked up. Because I think if you ask people that didn't know, even my listeners, and they took a poll. Right. And they said, these actors or whatever, Corey Feldman, has he drank A, two years, B, 10 years, C, his whole life? That none of them would take two years. Right. Right? Right. It's perception.
2: And, well, there's one more big truth. I've never done anything that anybody can ever go back And go, what about that time you took advantage of that girl? Or what about the time you took advantage of that kid? Or what about the time that you screwed that guy over? Or what about the time that you got money when you shouldn't have? Nothing. My morality book is 100. Like, I don't have anything in my consciousness that I cannot say I've owned, I've dealt with, I've made amends. And it's over. But there's nothing that I feel remorseful about. So there's nothing that they can use against me. All they can do is perpetuate lies and rumors because there's no fact. There's nothing solid that they could ever say that would denounce the things that I'm talking about.
0: I mean, so you're a survivor, obviously. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, right.
2: Well, we, have, we all are survivors, right? We have to, we have no choice. Some of us have it easier. Some of us have it harder. But at the end of the day, we're all in the game together.
0: What do you? You know, I'm going to ask you just a couple more questions because this has been pretty fascinating. Because it's mm-hmm. kind of like you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting I said into the floodgates you. were open, right? Well, <laughs> the floodgates have opened, but it's not about you know sensationalism yeah i didn't want to do any of that it's like you know i met you at a con you're friendly and sweet and i was like you know and i loved loved your work and i'm like what the this is this is my podcast let's let's have a conversation talk real shit you know and that's that's what i want and this is exactly what it is and and i think people are gonna just really love this i love this i hope and I'm, so. I'm glad you're here and courtney i'm glad you're here
2: i i, I hope it's educational
0: it, it absolutely and, is
2: and i want i just want people to understand fake news is real but it's not the fake news that the president talks about <laughs> it's the opposite
0: let me ask you this a couple of questions you can just be quick about because i have to ask a couple of questions because i loved cory Haim. i loved him i thought he was great i loved everything he did mm. were you i mean when you heard the news was it something that big part of you wasn't surprised?
2: When I heard the news, he was supposed to be going to my dentist appointment that morning. That's how close we were.
0: Your dentist appointment?
2: Right. Because he called me two days before and said he had a tooth infection and that he was in pain. And he said, you know, I can't get an appointment. Is there any way you could help me? And I said, well, I actually have an appointment Wednesday morning. So... I'll, you know, forego my appointment. You can have my appointment. And so that morning, my assistant left my house to go pick him up because he didn't have a vehicle. And she went to go pick him up to take him to my dentist. And on her way there, she heard it on the radio. And I woke up to Sean's text. Sean had already hit me up at like 5.30 in the morning. And I'm not an early riser, so I normally don't get up till 11. But I, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm like getting woken up with all these things blowing up. And all of a sudden, my brother is banging on the door. And he's like, hey, man, you know, your brother's dead.
0: I mean, how hard did that hit you? How long did how long did it take to, I mean, I'd probably still, you know, you never get over it. You learn to live with it.
2: Right. It's family. It's family. But it's more than family. It's the fact that. I didn't know anything about this stuff, right? He put it in my head. He's the one who introduced me to it all. He's the one who told me about his rape. He's the one who told me all of this the first day that I met him because he needed something solid enough to know that he had a human being that cared about him as a human being. The
0: first day you met Corey Haim, he tells you these things.
2: Yeah. And that changed my life forever because once I had that information, Now I had the same target on my head, and I've had to hold that for 30 years. And that's why when this movie is done, this documentary comes out, and my entire truth can be told, it will be not only cathartic, but it's a gift to him because this is all he ever wanted was his truth to be told.
0: What's the what's the one thing you remember ahead of him that make, just makes you smile when you want to think of like the great things? Oh, like God. what's the, nobody
2: what, could make me laugh like he did.
0: What was it about him that made you laugh so hard? He's just
2: genius. He was a genius. Just comic timing. We just when we would get together, we would have each other crying. You know what I mean? And laughter is so hard. Like you, when we when we got back together to do the two Corries, the TV show, um, the first six months, he was great. He was sober, he was sharp, he was on it. And it was the funniest work we did ever together. So good, and it was all improv, but so good, like we'd write the scenes, we'd say, okay, this is the, this is the structure, this is the storyline for the week, this is the episode, and then we'd work within that, you know, structure. And then everything else would be improvised. We would have the crew laughing so hard that they couldn't hold their cameras up. And, and the director, the Jeff Everybody, they just they were just just losing it, you know. What I mean, it was just like it was so funny. But the problem was, we weren't. They didn't want a comedy. We wanted a comedy. Right. They didn't want a comedy. They wanted sensational. Right. right? They wanted to put us further down the rabbit hole. That's all they ever want is to put us further down the rabbit hole. <clears throat> so, with that said, we were producing. So they couldn't. They couldn't get us this time. Right. They couldn't. They couldn't screw us over. And you made the decisions, right? Until Corey screwed up, because once he started relapsing and using on TV, and everybody could see him
0: drooling on himself, it's kind of hard to cover that up. Did you ever get mad at him and say, "What the fuck are you doing? Are here? you kidding? <laughs> did you see the show? Yeah, I did see the. I, I just don't remember exactly. Like, oh yeah, no, it it's got, been years. It, it, was, got and it was like two thousand seven, two thousand
2: nine, two thousand nine. It got ugly. I mean, it started off as a comedy, as a loosely scripted comedy. That was the whole point, to look like a reality show. It wasn't real. We were shooting in Vancouver, pretending it was L.A., in a house that was a rented house that was supposed to be my house. I mean, none of it was real. It was all scripted until he would forget that we were doing a bit. And then all of a sudden, he'd start fighting with me for real in the middle of a scene. Did you guys have a fist fight? Oh, yeah. Of course, like you were
0: physical with each other. Of course, did you did you have a rule? No faces.
2: No, when you know, brothers, man. When brothers get at it, that's it. Well, we it. never.
0: I never punched my brother. if I wanted to. Oh well, man, you got a better family than so I you, did. You guys,
2: <laughs> me had... and my real brother have
0: gotten to cuffs. You know, so who would win? You did. You took him down. Did you know when to stop? Like, leave this guy alone. Well, here was the
2: thing: is that like, okay, so <laughs> I didn't know my own strength a lot of times. Cause I would, you know, go through these phases where I'd be working out a lot and he never really went through that. Like he, he would, you know, get fit. I mean, he'd lose like 300 pounds playing racquetball or, you know, tennis or rollerblading or whatever, however he would do it, he would find a way to do it. Night frisbee. That was his big thing. He liked the glow in the dark frisbee. <laughs> um, but That was his secret to losing hundreds of pounds, you know, crazy. Right. But he would do it. You left it. He liked to play some sports
0: or like whatever,
2: whatever. Right. Right. So we were doing a scene in blown away and it's a choreographed fight scene. And it's like, I hit him and you know, whatever. And then he hits me back and we jump on top of each other, whatever. Um, And so we were like rehearsing it and he like brought his face in too close one day. you You know and i hit him by accident and to me i was just it was like a barely like you know a graze yeah a graze and he went flipping back behind the couch he literally like did a backflip did you feel horrible terrible but he came after me like you did that on purpose you're doing you know and and that was that was a tough day on set but again he already knew what i did not trying you know what I'm saying? So it's like as much as he would get in my face and mess with me, he also knew that you didn't want to push it
0: past a certain point. How much do you love your music? I love it. How much do you love playing in front of people? Love it. You got one of the angels? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Courtney?
2: Former, yeah, former angel.
0: Former angel. I, look, I know you love music, and you're, you are fearless. When I watch you, you just get up there, and you just... You're you, dude. You fucking get up there, and whatever you want to do in the there's like no i don't see any fear no it's it's great like i you know i always how can have you perform with fear you can pretend no i'm scared shitless but i'm come gonna come on I've, I've worked like fear-based and then once i get into it sometimes i'm like a little better but you know i mean yeah but you just look you when you're use up there it. you're using it you're still using it i guess so yeah do you do you, you gonna keep performing how many albums have you done three I'll never stop three albums i'll never stop i've done six albums six albums yeah and I'm
2: working on a box set right now. Very exciting project. What comes in the box set? Are you going to have oh like little, God, like little so books, good. little things that be no be one so would good. have? It's going to be so good. We're we're putting out, it's, it's a box set for my first album. So my first album was called Love Left and it came out in the 90s, early 90s, like 93. But it had singles and music that was created in the 80s. And some of it was for my films. So I did music for Dream a Little Dream, Dream a Little Dream 2, Rock and Roll High School, Forever. Those were my first three vehicles that I did music for. So we're putting out a Love Left 30th Anniversary Edition box set. And what we're doing is we took all the original masters and Don (laughs) Dawkin took them and baked them in an oven and then digitally transposed them and transferred them into digital cleaned up the tapes meticulously and then we're able to actually transpose them into a digital machine so that you can individually take the tracks and clean them and mix them again, like start from scratch. Right? So we're taking all of the tracks from the original album. We're remixing and remastering it. So it's up to date. Then we're taking songs that have never been released from that era. Like, for example, uh, my very first single was called Something in Your Eyes, and it was for the Dream a Little Dream soundtrack. Unfortunately, it never made it onto the soundtrack album, but it came out as a single under the soundtrack. So it was a vinyl single, but it was not actually connected to the album. So for the first time in history, we're going to digitally transfer it so that it can be available on iTunes, or it can be available on, you know, whatever, right? You-
0: all right, when is this coming out, all this? Come on. So badass. Just tell me when it's coming out.
2: It's going to be like a little more than a year, because I'm also trying to finish the documentary.
0: Right, so you're doing yeah. the documentary, you got this album coming out, the right. box set. The box set of, set. of all s- crazy shit, so right. you got
2: by the way, what's your... And I'm going to be dropping a new single, the, the the Mickey single. It's a completely modern version, a completely modern twist, like almost punk rock, and this guy's 70 years old and i produced him and i was like dude grab your balls i want to hear you screaming
0: and he was like doing you're it? 25 years old and he sounds so good you're you're you're, you're, you're making me I feel selfish now because I'm going to be like, Cora, can you please get Mickey Thomas on my podcast? Oh, yeah, I can. Would he do it? Oh, for sure.
2: Dude, are you kidding me? I'd yeah. love
0: to have him. I know all his songs. Yeah, he's a
2: legend and he's such a gentleman. He's such a great man. Such a great Dude. man. Dude,
0: oh, okay. Yeah. All right, what's, what's your love Twitter handle, death.
2: Instagram, all that shit? At Corey underscore Feldman, blue check. <laughs> any, any cons coming up? And then as far as the Instagram is C-Dog. C-Dog. With a double G, <laughs> 22 c-dog 22 and
0: uh you know th- this has been a real
2: treat and i'm allowed Cortland to Glass use the double g too. because you know snoop dogs on my last album i was so. just gonna say that yeah, 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 I'm, allo- yeah, yeah. I'm allowed got i'm it. allowed. it got it, go for, of the it. Dog pound, go for it go for it no Go for it. Go
0: yeah, for it. Yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. Fuck you. I know. Things. Well done. Well done. Well done, Michael. Um, you know this yeah. has been a real treat. You know, I know a lot of people want to hear. You know, my friend Ethan was like, "You got to ask him about Goonies." Well, you told us a Goonies story. Yeah, you told us a little bit about things like that. By the way, all these movies—was there, there any that was a surprise hit? Like this won't be a hit, and it became a hit. Did you, or did you all know? All of them. It? Oh no, did you know? I mean, Goonies—we knew it was going to be a hit.
2: You knew it, of course.
0: Yes, it's Steven
2: Spielberg, Richard Donner. Of course, it was going to be. Did a they hit. pay
0: you a lot of money to be? No. In that? They didn't. No, nobody got paid money. for that shit. Terrible money. Good
2: residuals? No, nothing. When you get paid small money,
0: how are you going to have good residuals? Well, what was the biggest thing you got you paid know for? Much. The biggest money his you ever saw? Took all his money. Yeah, my yeah, they did. Didn't it you all. have like a million dollar thing? And there was like. 40? I had a million dollars by the time
2: I was fourteen years old. I went to the producer's pension, health, and forty thousand. And for you, very good.
0: You did your research. Yes, I don't know why. Maybe I maybe I have photographic memory, Oh, call back, buddy. Look, call back. I mean, look, you, you. But you're an icon. I, you know, everybody knows Corey Feldman. Everybody. I mean, the movies well, you've they done. They think they do. That's true. That's really true. And know look, this, you have know a...
2: the interpretation that they've been fed through the machine, right? But that yeah. doesn't mean that's me.
0: But look, I love that you, you're going with your gut you're trying to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. I really feel like you're trying to do the right thing. You that's obvious. You're so devoting your life do. to all these things. And you know, it's really nice to see cuz you me. know, um, I'm glad you came on. I'm glad Sean told you to do it. Yeah,
2: I'm glad I came on too. Thank yeah. you for This has been really nice. And, nice and you're a good interviewer.
0: Well, thank you, I man. I like it.
2: You know, you're an actor and you're you're you know jumping in the seat here and it's
0: nice so. you know i thank you it means yeah, a lot to me and yeah. i'm just I, you know i i just enjoy this yeah. i really enjoy yeah, like sitting down and talking to people about their lives yeah you're good at it well i, I appreciate it, that yeah. well if you know anybody else who wants to come on the podcast cory oh well i'm sure you they'll probably be a, know a, a very few long list yeah. very long list of people who i'm sure would love the opportunity what would you think did you think oh fuck he's gonna ask me about michael jackson he's gonna ask me about all this shit no i don't predetermine
2: things like that I don't, I don't really, you didn't think, I don't don't go into things like that.
0: No, if
2: I didn't think it was going to be a cool situation, I wouldn't be here.
0: Have you ever got, uh, well, I appreciate that. It was a really cool situation. And and, and if it's a weird situation, you walk out. Yeah.
2: Have you ever walked out? I either walk out or I'll just be like, I don't not answering that. Sorry. Not interested, whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a shallow person.
0: Have you ever said something? I'm I'm not going to sit here and talk about bs who's the worst interview that ever interviewed that when when i say worst the one like notable that just you were like fuck this person nardwar the human serviette who's that you know that ryan exactly
2: it's a it's a underground underground he just was rude oh awful disgusting
0: why'd you do it didn't know you get trapped did you feel that kind of anxiety you're getting like to get the fuck he, out of here? He, no,
2: I was a phone interview and you know how you just get that feeling that like somebody's mocking you and they're, you know, not taking your answers seriously. So they're trying to, trying to get newsworthy things. Right.
0: Let's get a clip of Corey flipping out yeah, or Corey talking one, about he this. He was the one
2: who, who, I don't know if you'll remember this, this is way back in the nineties, but there was a huge controversy over it. Cause he got me to say something off color about the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow and Matt, Damon and Ben Affleck had all just won for uh, the uh, Goodwill Hunting.
1: Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. There you go. Gwyneth Paltrow was in that. Well, Shakespeare in Love was the same year.
2: Yeah, yeah, the same year. Wow. Oh, yeah. So they'd all just kind of, you know, become this thing. This was the new thing. And so he was asking me, you know, does it make you jealous? Does it make you upset that these people are all succeeding when you've worked so hard for this, and now you're watching all these other people kind of pass you by? And da 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 da. And he was just really trying to goat me for something. And I ended up falling for it in some way. Said something that was not what I would normally say, or not how I would. What normally, did you say? I, I don't remember. Doesn't exactly. matter. I don't remember exactly. I just remember that it was, it was something that was off color. But then he twisted that and took it out of context and made it even worse than what I actually said. And it got to the point that like it was a huge press story, and I had to write a public apology to Matt and uh, Ben and uh, Gwyneth. And Gwyneth actually called me. This is how classy she is. She called me. We've never met. She called me and she left a voicemail on my answering machine saying, thank you so much for your letter. It was so sweet. I made sure to talk to the boys about it. Nobody's upset. We totally understand. You know, press does this stuff. So please don't worry. We love you. We respect you. That's classy. It's all good. Yeah. It made me feel a lot better.
0: Well, I feel feel good that you were here. Today. Thank you. And thank you for uh thank you again for doing this Courtney. Thanks for sticking it out. The watermelon juice is done though. Yeah, we it's, we wiped it out. Yeah. We took it down. Who cooks? You obviously cook, right? Courtney because oh, you're a nutritionist. We both cook, yeah, but yeah, we both do. do you ever give him shit like, "Oh, you know what? There's not enough cilantro there." Do <laughs> you ever do that shit? Oh my god. <laughs> no, no, no. She no.
2: She is hardcore, man. She's I, got her list of like shopping stuff that she's got to get every day and you know, she's a health coach, so
3: So I got appendicitis when I was 14 years old after getting like migraines and like digestive issues and stuff like that, where I had to get like an organ of my body removed. And I was terrified because I'm like, what the hell is going on with my body? This has never happened before. Like I got an inflamed appendix. I had to get emergency surgery after the surgery because it got a severe infection. And that was like my wake up call into I need to do something to like prevent
2: yeah but it took another two decades before she met me and i said you got to go vegetarian and get off all those drugs you're on a lot of drugs well she was on medication uh i got you i got you yeah that that an ex-boyfriend convinced her she needed to be on
3: yeah
2: none of it was true she was fine
0: she didn't need any of it but I got to get you two on the other podcast with me and Chris Sullivan in love with Michael and Chris Sullivan, it's just about couples, and I'm single. He's married. I have my ex girlfriend oh, on. Going yeah. Why didn't it work? Because what his, wi- his right. wife right. is on. You know, just it's 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 it. about being grateful and all this stuff. Yeah, shit. yeah, good. All right, hey, thank you so much. Thanks for allowing us inside of you, you thank Corey. You. Thank you, thank, thank you. Thank all you. right,
2: and thanks for inviting us.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Thinking about the times we had, and what a shame it was, to throw it all away, trying to make me come.